Corona Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here with the wrap-up episode, right? Because the 2022 season has officially come to an end. That's right. It's over. It was a nice ride. A very successful season when you look at the Giants from where they were the previous five years, a new regime. They make the playoffs. They win a playoff game. Sure, they get shellacked. I mean, just spanked by the Eagles, who we can all agree are just in a completely different stratosphere. A better team. I, I, I said this in last week's episode. The more I kept going to the matchups and starting to be like, man, all right, can the Giants protect the passer? Can they run the ball? Can they win this matchup on the outside with their receivers, with their cornerbacks? The more you look at it, it's like, man, it's hard to come up with a way, a roadmap, a path for the Giants to win. The Eagles team, you have to be fair, is stacked. Stacked. Their roster is incredible, right? That's where they're at right now. They lost one game when their starting quarterback played this year. And they had to turn it over four times to lose that game. And by the way, that game was still close. That was, I'm talking about the Washington Monday night game. So we know the Eagles were the better team. Joe Shane admitted that the 38 to 7 shellacking only showed the disparity that exists and how much work that this organization needs to get done. And here's what I like about Joe Shane. And you talk to people in the Giants organization now, there's no false bravado with this group. There's no lack of realism that existed with Dave Gettleman, where they tried to sell you BS every year that that previous regime. Like we scored, we led the, we scored the most points in our division. Big deal. Nobody cares if you scored the most points if you're in your division when you go six and ten. Okay, big deal. Or four and twelve, whatever it was at the time. No one gives a darn. Scored the most points in the division when at the time all teams had crappy offenses. Where you almost won a division at six and ten. You know, we got down to the left. big deal. You're still not good. We're headed in the right direction. He said about the offensive line. Oh, yeah? Bull crap. That's what that was. Now, Joe Shane and this group are on the other end of the spectrum. They're realists. They don't have delusions about what they have. They knew from the start this wasn't a great roster. They knew at the trade deadline this wasn't sustainable. Think about it. They made no moves to add pieces, even though they were going to make the playoffs almost certainly. They got rid of a talented player and added nobody. They did not once add a player during the season that was above the veteran minimum, VSB it's called, you know, veteran signing benefit. They they got rid of James Bradbury before the season started, knowing that he was their best cornerback because they were willing to take it on the chin this year and because it was better for the organization moving forward. That is realism. And I like that about this regime. They are very realistic about what they are. A team that needs to make significant gains. The roster is not good enough in a lot of spots. And that's when I look at that game on Sunday. Sorry, Saturday night. Against the Eagles. The Eagles exposed everything we knew about this Giants about where they were poor. They're wide receivers. Had no shot against James Bradbury and Darius Slate. Did we even hear about Isaiah Hodges in this game? Great story. But if we're looking for him to win consistently against those guys, it's going to be tough. Same with Darius Slayton. They exploited the Giants inside linebackers. Exploited them. Jared Davis and Jalen Smith. Absolute area the Giants need to upgrade. I mean, just exploited them. Had 
you know, they run those uh, zone reads, misdirections. You got the Giants' linebackers pulling up and in, in play action for easy passes right behind them, uh, all over the place against the run, basically running in the wrong direction. Lack of depth on the defensive line. Uh, struggles on their offensive line and their pass protection. I mean, the Eagles, with good coaching, just exploited every deficiency we knew existed for the Giants. Now, does it damper their season? I don't think so. I know I commented on Peter Rosenberg's tweet about how he'd rather his team not make the playoffs than lose that way. Just totally asinine for the position the Giants were in. Just asinine. Though literally, worst team in the NFL tied with the Jets over the previous five years. That You had to sit there as a Giant fan and watch crap football. I mean, not mediocre football, not competitive football, crap football pretty much for five straight years. You're the worst record. In, no team had a worse record than the Giants. And you don't want to have a winning season. You'd rather not make the playoffs than have a winning season and win a playoff game. I mean, just a moronic tweet, in my opinion, or at least thought process. Opinion. Take, as I said, and then he played semantics for that. Oh, that's not a take. That's my opinion as a, a fan and how I operate as a fan. Well, that's exactly what a take is. It's your opinion. Semantics. Plan. This giant season was a success. I don't know how you look at it any other way. First year, new regime. You figure out you have a coach. You believe in the coach. Your quarterback proved you could win with him, that he could play at a high level. I mean, these were the biggest questions coming into the season, that he could stay healthy, that the running back could stay healthy, Saquon Barkley. We'll talk about their futures in a minute. But so many questions, big monster questions about this franchise answered. And that, that's not a successful season. That is the definition of a successful season. Now, ultimately, you want to win a Super Bowl. But even the biggest, you know, giant stands didn't think they were winning a Super Bowl. At the start of the season. I mean, come on. Let's be realistic. Now, Brian Dable had a rough game. I think we could all agree on that. The fourth and eighth call. And I'm Mr. Super Aggressive usually. And I'm all for being aggressive. Once they get sacked, it's like, I think it was fourth and three. Uh, second possession. The Eagles are up seven, nothing. Once they get sacked and it's fourth and eight. Now they're on the 40. I think I would have punted at that point. You just... The, you knew that if they didn't make that first down, the game could get away from them real quick. And I think Brian Dable, who all season long has been punting in spots like that and being on the more conservative side, I know he was aggressive in the opener and he went for two, but, and he says aggressive, aggressive. But remember against the, the, the commanders? He punted in that almost same exact spot, even needed less yards and played and was content with the tie. And then all of a sudden in that spot goes for it. And then later in the game, when you're down three scores, 21 points, punts with like nine minutes to go. So I thought he had a rough day. The Eagles are a good team with good coaching. And by the way, holy crap, got to be scared of the Eagles going forward. They're this good. They have two first-round picks, including a top-10 pick. A good chunk of their core is young. Their quarterback is still on a rookie contract. Man, it's going to be hard to see a path for the Eagles to suck at any point in the next three years. Their only path to stumbling is really their quarterback, something happened to him, getting hurt, injured, or whatever, falling off the map, something. So this is going to be a tough task ahead of Joe Shane to get to catch up to the Eagles. And then we, we all know they're behind the Cowboys right now as well. Now, step one is going to be bringing back Daniel Jones. He Joe Shane made that known. That's the intention of the team and the franchise. 
bring back Daniel Jones. He said Daniel's going to be here. He even slipped at one point and said, we're happy Daniel's going to be here. Like, so that's a, a lock. That's basically done. Daniel Jones is going to be back with the Giants. All that matters is it depends on whether he signs a long-term deal or whether it's the franchise tag, even if it's as a placeholder until they get to a long-term deal. But Daniel Jones is coming back. Now, if you want to know why his number is $35 million and, and probably more, go to YouTube, uh, Breaking Big Blue 2, T-O-O. I explain why the number is $35 million. Again, my YouTube, Jordan Ron on Breaking Big Blue 2, okay? It's, it's pretty simple. It's going to be in that. It's going to be in that range. It's not a 25 million, 30 million. That doesn't make sense. You say that, you have no idea what you're talking about. And I explained that in that video. Now, Saquon Barkley is a lot more complicated. Joe Shane was very hesitant with what he said about Saquon Barkley. Called him a good player, not a great player, not an awesome player. Called him a good player and a great teammate. And he said good several times, by the way. Mentioned their salary cap implications. There's priority positions they need to worry about, how they allocate their resources is something they have to keep in mind. And then when I asked him how close do you feel like you were when you negotiated with him at the bye week, weren't really that close. That's a direct quote from Joe Shane. I'll get into numbers as we move along here later on this next week, probably. I'll have something on Saquon Barkley, so give it a read. I think I'll have a good explanation on where Everything kind of stands in that regard. Now, there are things that Joe Shane said, like love to have a number one receiver. There's a big talent gap. Uh, maybe we weren't the most talented team. Did mention that when he when he was asked about the Eagles, and he, uh, you know, if they were in the same stratosphere, basically, he brought up the one five and one against NFC East opponents. So there's going to be a lot of moves this offseason. Now, he did mention the benefit of getting known commodities, I believe was the phrase that he used. Known commodities over unknown commodities, right? Now, that means in part bringing back a bunch of their own guys, right? There's guys like Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence who are getting closer to earning long-term deals or getting long-term future deals. Those things are moves I expect to happen at some point. It doesn't necessarily need to be this offseason, but in the next year or two or year and a half, whatever it is, next calendar year probably. That's a lot of money for those two guys. Daniel Jones, for sure, is going to cost money. If they bring back Saquon, that's going to cost money. Now, the Giants have money to spend this offseason, so it'll be interesting to see how they divvy it up. But also guys like Julian Love, uh, Jahad Ward was a good contributor, guys like that. Darius Slayton, it'll be interesting to see how they handle those guys. And by saying known commodities, I think, he wants to bring back a lot of the guys that are part of this group. They thought this group was something special. And yes, they'll add pieces on the outside, but Joe Shane has said from day one, and this is just a quick reminder, and then we'll get to your questions in a minute for the Giants after dark. But he said from the start, he's not going to be a guy who's going to go out and spend a ton in free agency and add and build his team through free agency. He's going to be a guy who builds his team through the draft. Adds a couple, one or two big free agency year. I think this year, don't be surprised if the Giants concentrate on adding depth to the roster, adding depth to that defensive line, adding depth to their weapons, tight end, wide receiver, secondary, linebacking core. This team needs a better roster from top to bottom. And you can't just look at high-end starting caliber, you know, 
Pro Bowl type players. No, they need way more than that. So one or two big signings in free agency, which is, by the way, what you saw last year, even though they didn't have a lot of money. Right. I guess I guess you could argue whether Mark Lewinsky and Tyrod Taylor are bigger signings. But with the money they had, those were their two significant signings. And then they added depth. Now, this year, the two significant signings might be a little higher nature. But I think the concentration, again, will be on adding depth. Let's get to your questions. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Ah, yes. It's that time of the podcast where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. Question number one. Nils Larson on Twitter. We're going to do a whole bunch of Twitter questions and I'll get to a couple of Instagram. Uh, who is Niels says, what's the number one priority of the off season and what gets done first? And then I think we found that out the other day that it has to be for the giants. And of course it's the most important position. It's quarterback and Daniel Jones, as they were very clear. We'd like Daniel, Daniel to be here. We're happy. Daniel's going to be here. It's going to happen. That's the number one priority. And then I think the Saquon Barkley situation could be dependent on if they can get something done with Daniel Jones rather quickly, because think about it. If they can get something done rather quickly with Daniel Jones, come to a common agreement and the number that works for both sides, that then puts the franchise tag number of $10 million on Saquon Barkley. The Giants already offered him more than that, right, at the bye week. So if you would think, of course, they're gonna, they would do it for $10 million on the franchise tag and say, prove it again. Now, Saquon would hate that, but... Uh, number one priority, clearly, Daniel Jones. All right. At Earthplate says, do you think if Shane or Dable wanted to move off DJ, Daniel Jones, would ownership let them? And that's a good question because I do think in the Saquon Barkley situation, the more I think about it and, okay, the Giants don't really want to get up to over a certain number, would ownership push it just a little bit? He is the face of their franchise. Most teams, the quarterback's the face of their franchise. But I think. Ownership might be like, well, you know, for another million dollars, you make it make it thirteen million dollars a year if we can get a deal done there. Even though you only want to do twelve, you know, let's get it done. This is the face of our franchise. Everybody loves Saquon. He's done everything we wanted. He's a team captain. He's a leader. So I do think if 
the Giants ultimately wanted to move off Daniel Jones, that ownership would definitely push back a little bit. But if it's something this new regime is insistent on, I think they can do it. Like Ownership, I think, ultimately would take a step back and say, if you think this is the right move for our organization, we're fully on board. Let's do it. Now, they don't want to go back to being a 4-13 and team again next year, so they'd have to have a pretty good plan to convince them. But I do think that this regime has enough clout right now that they can pull off a move like that. Uh, Winterize here says, uh, what's the walkaway number for the Giants regarding Saquon? I think right now it's about the 12 or $13 million number, right? Uh, and, you know, I think I'll probably get a deal done at close to 14. I think the Giants are probably closer to 12. But, yeah, uh, with the franchise tag number for a running back being 10 this year, they could just easily franchise tag Barkley this year, $10 million. Franchise tag him again the following year. Now you're at, like, what? 120% of that, you're still 112. Let's say it's 10 and 12. I mean, the average of that is $11 million. That's where the negotiation starts for Saquon. I don't know if they're going to go much higher than 12, to be honest with you. So we'll see. Uh, David Coughlin asks, how great was reporting on your first giant season as a playoff winning team? Yeah, you know what? Here's what I'll say about that. It's good for business. Right. When the Giants are good, when they're in the playoffs, when they're relevant, it's good for business. I could confidently say I was on TV and did probably more TV hits in the last three weeks of the Giants season than I did all of last year, all of last season, all of last season, the last three weeks alone. So it's enjoyable to, to cover a winning team. It's easier to go in the locker room and talk to guys. You, I get it's better for me personally, professionally. And also, but the flip side is, I kind of wasn't disappointed that the Giants lost. It was, you know, that was good. We got two playoff games out of it, right, professionally. I was tired. The Saturday game off, I mean, the Sunday game off, no, sorry, the Saturday game off the Sunday the week before on the road. By the time you fly home and you lose your off day, like, I was like, okay, that's enough. I don't get paid extra for the playoffs, right? Like, players get extra. There's obviously a benefit for them. Like, I, I was good with two playoff games. It was a good run. Perfect for me professionally. Uh, Maresfert, I don't know, Ash says, do you think the Giants address receiver early in the draft or in free agency? How about this? Both. I think they drafted in free agency and early in the draft. It's a position that they want to add multiple pieces. You need weapons. And maybe it's not necessarily wide receiver. It could also be a receiving tight end at some point in there. I, I do think that they need that. Like Daniel Bellinger, I think, is a decent, okay contributor. I don't see him as a high-end receiver. Now, maybe they view Lawrence Cager as someone they can make into that. Obviously, converted wide receiver. But, yeah, I do expect the Giants to add receiver in free agency and the draft. The problem is free agency is not that, is, that strong. I mean, what, you want Juju Smith-Schuster? He's a slot receiver. That doesn't make any sense, and he's not great. Uh, Jacoby Meyer, does that do it for you? It's not a number one receiver, so it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, Dylan Davis, at, at the Dylan Davis says, if Kafka leaves Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator he's talking about, who would be a viable replacement for this offense Dable runs? Well, how about this? When I was speaking to Davis Webb recently, he talked about, he thought that Shea Tierney was ready, you know, guy who's been in coaching for a while, that he was ready for a job as a coordinator. 
Now he's worked with Brian Dable. He's now worked under Mike Kafka. I think it's a possibility that they he's the quarterback coach right now, Shea Tierney, that they elevate him. And then that, of course, would open up a spot for Davis Webb as a quarterback coach. And, I, and then you have Brian Dable overseeing it all. And, of course, he has called plays before and been an offensive coordinator. So I think that's definitely an option. Now, as far as outside options, I can't really tell you because Brian Dable had an interesting approach to hiring coaches last time where he was really open to anyone and everything, people with no ties. So, I mean, you could put anyone on the board as an option, to be honest with you. So we'll find out about that. At Doug Analytics says, the coaching staff and Shane have reportedly said that Daniel Jones has done everything we've asked. Did they ask him to take deep shots that were available? Jones was reluctant to pull the trigger on many throws he's capable of making. Well, I know you sit there and you the tape is now available and we could screenshot when guys are open downfield. It's a lot harder because they don't. he doesn't have a lot of time to throw. Their offensive line couldn't hold up, and that's why, ultimately, I think the combination of they didn't have the receivers, right? The only one that really can get downfield is Darius Slayton, uh, and he's not a real high-end number one. And that between the receivers and the offensive line, which wasn't going to be able to hold up and protect very long, which is why the Giants ran a lot of quick game, you know, scheme stuff, get the quarterback on the move outside the pocket. Like, that was their offense because that's what they had to work around. And so that's, I think, the number one reason why you did not see him throw the ball deep very often, not that he can't. Actually, we talked about it early in his tenure. Throwing the deep ball is one of Daniel Jones' best skills. I think he throws the deep ball very well. He has a good arm, and he has good touch on them, so an accuracy. So I think that's actually one of his best skills. The reason I think we didn't see it a lot, it was more personnel-based than anything else. Uh, and, of course, we could sit there and nitpick. He missed the guy here, missed the guy there. I, we could, I could literally do that with any quarterback. You could do it with Patrick Mahomes all the time. You could do it with Joe Burrow. So, yeah, this uh, All-22 film being available full-time has its pros and cons, and that's one of the cons. You could sit there and just nitpick. Oh, look, this guy was open. Yeah, but you're not accounting for the guy standing in Daniel Jones's face. At Texas Wine Lover says, when are you going to kick the field goal so Chris from Giants Insider will win the bet? Wow. Wow. Trash talking me. He will not win that bet. Kind of convenient when all the players are gone so they don't see you. We decided, I said I would have done it a couple weeks ago, but it was middle of the winter, late. Playoffs were coming around. My leg finally got healthy. It's going to be something we do in the spring. So we will do it when everyone's around. Brian Dable wants to bet against me. Daniel Jones wants to bet against me. A good chunk of the locker room wants to bet against me. They're all going to lose their money, let me tell you. Uh, 30-yard field goal, no problem. Going to drill that. Originally, it was supposed to be like they basically gave me, were giving me a bunch of tries, and they kind of somehow got whittled down to like none, one try. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to hit it regardless, one try, no problem. At Scott Britton, or Britman631 says, What's some more dire need for this team right now? Center or inside linebacker? Feel like both need to be addressed in free agency. Definitely inside linebacker. Uh, your, your starting middle linebacker is a way more important position than center. Center is a position you could fill rather easily. I mean, I, I know people think that center is a huge need. I'm fine with bringing back John Feliciano and upgrading at the other guard spot. I'm fine with bringing putting Nick Gates. I actually think they should go with Nick Gates at center. Uh, I like Nick Gates as a center. I think he brings... A lot to the table as a as a especially as a uh, run blocker, and you didn't see he does you don't see him being a liability in pass protection or getting pushed back. So I think Nick Gates is more than serviceable center. I think he's a quality center. He's on the above average scale of center. 
and you could easily fill that and then go get an inside linebacker, which I think is a desperate need, and you need a good player at inside linebacker. You can't just fill it with a mediocre player. So to me, that answer is, is obvious. What's in, uh, Ralph Aurora says, Ralph Abet 24, what's an offseason like in the Ranon household? Well, the first part of it is I'm a more present dad. I'm doing stuff like picking up my son from school, which I already did yesterday, which I didn't do very much during the season. I'm here to do stuff with my daughter. We're, we're actually starting to work out my 12 year, 11, 12 year old daughter. We started doing push ups and sit ups and doing soccer training and uh, actually speed and agility training yesterday. So these are the kind of things that you could do. I'm just around more. I mean, it's really that simple. And then, of course, you throw in once it starts to get warmer, it's golf season. That's what it's like in the Ron on household. So uh, Paul Brucoleri says, uh, what's your guess of DJ's contract? Three years, 100 million range. I think that's underselling it a little bit. That's the $33 million range. Uh, as I in the YouTube video, you could say to me, basically, the discussion start at 35 million and probably come in 35 to 40. So let's say three years or four years, the Giants would probably want it. Depends. Player will want shorter contract, right? Because the longer contract gives the Giants the ability basically to spread the money out more and then get off them sooner if they want to. So the player in this situation probably wants a shorter and the, and the, the team probably wants a little longer. Uh, but let's say four years, uh, or th let's say three years. You want to make it three years? You said three, a hundred. I think more like three, one twenty. Thirty-five the first year, forty the second year, forty-five the third year. That's seventy, and uh, what is that? Thirty-five and forty-five is eighty, and then forty. So that's three for one twenty. I think is more likely, something like that. And to be honest with you, every NFL contract, for the most part, unless you guarantee money in the third year, whatever the guaranteed money is, it's usually over the first two years. And then the team can get off the deal after two years. So you're not super committed. They're not going to put themselves in a financial situation here where they're committed to Daniel Jones for three or four years. Probably it's going to be probably two years and they can get out of it. Maybe Daniel Jones gets a parting gift that they decide to uh, get off him after two years at DJ Daryl says. Would a player like Tremaine Edmonds be higher on their free agency wish list since he's a known commodity as, commodity as Shane kept emphasizing? Absolutely, Daryl. I, I do. And uh, Tremaine Edmonds is a Tremaine Edmonds is a quality athletic inside linebacker from Buffalo. I think that's definitely a move I could see the Giants making. Shane obviously knows him. He was part of drafting him in Buffalo. I would not be the surprised in the least if. Tremaine Edmonds is near the top of the Giants' wish list this offseason. Uh, depends, of course, what the price tag is. I think the Giants are going to be, in this Shane regime, regime in particular, is going to be very strong, and they put a value on a player and sticking to that value, not going like the whole Kenny Galladay thing. You put a value on the player and then basically blow it out of the water and sign him to a contract. Everyone was like, what the heck is that contract? Who are you even bidding against? Uh, next question, at Giants Vidal 1027 says, what is the Giants' current interest in Odell Beckham? I think they're open-minded, and Shane said, you know, the dinner went well. We'll look at all free agents. I think they're open-minded to at least looking into it. Again, big part of that is going to be price. I do think, say, uh, no, sorry, I said Saquon. Odell would love to come to the Giants. It's probably his first choice. But the key is going to be what does the Giants put a value on him and whether they're able to hit the value that Odell thinks he's worth. Uh, and I have a feeling that their values are 
there's quite a distance between those values. At Kyle Latinsky says, worst and best stadium you were went to this year, and why is MetLife the worst? Yeah, MetLife is not a great stadium when you compare it to others. Minnesota, the favorite stadium I went to this year, that's an awesome stadium. It's just really cool. The atmosphere in there is awesome. Open-air press box adds to it for the media as well. Uh, it's actually probably my second or third favorite in the league. It probably goes Dallas. I love Dallas. I just think it's such a great party atmosphere. And then L.A. and Minnesota are two and three. I haven't been to Vegas yet. Uh, we will be there next year, and that'll let me conclude my tour of being in every single stadium. And yeah, MetLife near the bottom, but it's no Washington FedEx field is the worst, especially from a media perspective. Just a complete dump. Uh, the sight line for the media is terrible. The food is terrible. Uh, there's just nothing endearing about it. To me, it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I don't know how anyone likes that stadium. At NYGMD says, is moving Neil inside something that eventually be considered? Previous regimes would never even blink an eye over this, but do you think in three, year three or four, that's a possibility that it happens if there's no improvement? I do. At first, I was like, no, they're not moving Evan Neal. But then I thought, you know what? This regime would, would do that. If he struggles on the outside again, I think they would try and make the most out of it and move him inside and say, hey, look. And I had actually an executive from another team tell me, you know, he thought Evan Neal, even when he was drafted, was probably best as a guard. So it's definitely not a crazy thought. I think that if he struggled again next year, they would think that. So uh, next question from Instagram. Uh, what's his name? Oh, I cut off the name. I believe it was Andre. Uh, what is the I'll, I'll go real quick. What is the Giants current interest in Beckham? I already answered that. What are you hearing on Julian Love, Sterling Shepard's odds to return to the Giants? Julian Love is a player I believe they would like to bring back. Known commodity. Makes sense. Starter played well. Won't break the bank. Sterling Shepard is going to be a lot more difficult because this is one I don't think is going to happen for a while. Sterling Shepard is going to have to rehab and get healthy before I think a team is willing to bring him back. And if the Giants do bring him back, remember, it's not you can't count on him uh, after the two, two, three years worth of injuries. You almost have to bring him back and be like complete minimum salary guy. If it happens to work out, it works out. We'll see how that kind of does. But the Giants are going to fill that position without considering Sterling Shepard at first. And the interest with Slayton, he asked for, as uh, I don't really know right now. We'll have to see on that. I think they would like to bring Slayton back. The question is, uh, is it on the cheap side? We knew they weren't the biggest fans originally. Were they won over? I Reluctantly, I think the answer is yes, but that I don't think they're willing to overextend. Again, I cut off the name of this final question here. I apologize. From Instagram. Hi, Jordan. Do you think the Giants coaching staff has any level of concern regarding Evan Neal and how he played the last few weeks and then the playoffs? I do think there is concern, but not a great deal of concern. Rookie tackles, as we saw with Andrew Thomas, can improve. Do we expect him to improve to the level Andrew Thomas did? That's a lot. But I think the Giants feel like year two, healthier, they'll be able to get more out of Evan Neal. I don't think it's sound the alarm type of uh, concern at this point with Evan Neal. It's more like, up. Oh, these are rookie uh, learning curve kind of things with Evan Neal, and uh, he will get better. How much? We'll see next year. If he doesn't play better training camp and next year, then I think they'll have ser the, the concern level will rise considerably. That's it for this uh, episode, not episode, but this uh, edition of Giants After Dark.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's wrap this up with a little quick Jordan on the beat. Uh, this is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. And let me just tell you, when the season ends for any team, it's hectic, right? Because the day after the season ends, players come in, they pack up all their stuff in their lockers. See, everyone had boxes. They used to be called baggy day, but there's no baggies in we baggy because it was like basically a garbage bag. You put your stuff in. Now they have uh, cardboard boxes. They get everything shipped, I guess, or you take it in or you ship it, whatever you want. Uh, but it's the day after you lose. So when they're on the road the day before, it creates quite the dilemma. So that's why when we come back from Minnesota, right, when we book the trip to Minnesota, you have to at least keeping the possibility they're going to lose the game and the next day is going to be, you know, baggy day or pack it up day or a cardboard box day, whatever we want to call it these days. And you have to book the first flight home because you never know. And then you don't see that some of these players now for months, right? Let's say April. So you don't see some of them for four or five months. So it's an opportunity to talk to them before they leave, get some phone numbers, get in touch, you know, uh, just chat it up with guys and talk to them about contract situations, whatever, like Daniel Jones and Saquon, because who knows when we're going to see them again. Although, Players like that, you probably see at the Super Bowl week. But so with the Eagles game, it's a little easier because at least Eagles is kind of local, right? It's an easy car ride back. But still, the game ends. We work. I get home at 2.30 in the morning, have to come in the next, the next day, have to wake up on Sunday. You know, I still have family in the house. I'm not sleeping until like noon. But anyway, you have to be at the Giants already by 11. So you're you're basically coming home at 2.30 in the morning. You're falling asleep by 3. Your family wants to do something because it's the weekend. My daughter's yelling at me because she thought I was taking her to her soccer game that Sunday. Uh, I did end up getting back in time, by the way, because the game was in the early afternoon. It was like 4 o'clock. I was able to get home by 3. But anyway, uh, so you're, you're leaving in the morning by 10 o'clock to go to the Giants and get to the locker room so you have there for baggy day. So it's a quick turnaround, crazy day. You're packing like all these stories into one afternoon on a Sunday at that point when everyone's worried about the, you know, everyone in the football world is watching the other games anyway. It's just crazy hectic. And that's how the season ends. And then the players leave and you don't see most of them for three or four months. So it's just a abrupt ending to the season. So that's what this Saturday, Sunday, because the Giants game was on Saturday. That's how that situation played out. It was awkward, strange, uh, but it is what it is. And now we settle into the offseason. I'll have a bunch of cool podcasts coming up for you. I got a couple really fun things planned. So make sure you stay tuned. Nothing is actually more fun than offseason, free agency, draft season. That's coming up. We'll get into it starting next week. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time.